welcome back to another episode of Bobcast. I am your host, Ryan Sullivan, also known as Sully Bob. And on Bobcast, it is my job to break down the moments and the stories that changed people's lives and also have a little fun in the process. And today on the podcast, I have Adam Miller. Adam Miller is a pharmacist by day. Uh, He's from Michigan, but he also runs the Bow Hunter Chronicles podcast, a podcast based on bow hunting and not just hunting itself, but also interviewing these people in this bow hunting Uh, you know, hunting angler world. And over the past few years, they've, you know, garnered tens of, you know, thousands of listeners, and probably tens of thousands of plays as well. And they've solidified themselves in this bow hunting community and in this in this hunting podcast community. And they really are one of the largest podcasts there. And their show is very interesting. I definitely would recommend uh, at least listening to an episode. I don't even hunt. I fish a little bit, but I don't even hunt. And I've still was entertained uh, just by the style of their show. It's super conversational. So on this episode, we covered everything from how to get into bow hunting, the stigma that surrounds it, bow hunting versus rifle hunting, uh, how Adam got into it, uh, what they're doing with the podcast, how they started the podcast, you know, how they grew the podcast, all of these different things about bow hunting and podcasts on this episode. And as you know, our sponsor is Soda Beats. If you've ever heard a hip hop or rap beat and said, I want to make something like that, or Maybe I can try to make that. SodaBeats.com allows you to do that for free. If you go on there right now, you don't have to download anything. You literally sign up. You can open it on Chrome, on Safari, Firefox, whatever you use. And you can make hip-hop and rap beats right there. It's the most intuitive, easiest way to make them. And then you can render them out and use them for anything. And you don't have to worry about, you know, buying somebody's beat or using some beat that's been used like a million times you get to actually do it yourself so thanks so much for sitting through this intro uh really appreciate it uh our sponsor soda beats definitely check them out sodabeats.com and big shouts to adam miller for recording this episode with me hope you enjoy all right ladies and gentlemen welcome back to another episode of bopcast today on the podcast i have adam miller um he is from uh the bow uh bow hunting chronicles podcast and it's a podcast that i recently got into honestly today is the day that i've listened to the most episodes i listened to a couple last week um as well but for me on this show um if you've been a listener you kind of know we kind of do whatever we want we just like to have a bunch of different types of people and uh you know now we're on episode whatever 50 six or something like that and i just i i think we yeah we connected on facebook after i was asking you about the uh you know a scene switcher for some podcast nerd stuff and i was you know got into your podcast i'm like you guys got a solid you know solid fan base you've been going for years and you know you've built up something pretty powerful and uh yeah i just want to get you on the show to talk about it and kind of go through your background as well so um adam if you could just give the folks like uh you know maybe just a you know short breakdown of who you are and what you do uh you know uh, for yourself and also maybe the podcast uh, and we'll just kind of backtrack and go from there yeah sure so uh actually i'm a pharmacist so um i've been a pharmacist uh for seven eight years now and um that was just simply like a, a an easy way to make money, I guess. Uh, probably not easy, but um, my family owns a pharmacy. I didn't know what I wanted to do, and 
I saw all these kids that were coming through saying like, oh, I can only work, like, I got offered a job like three days a week for like 80 grand. I'm like, eh, I can probably do that for, for 80 grand. Like, so I'm smart enough. And then with student loans and everything, I got sucked into working full time and like, I had to find some sort of an outlet. So, um, we've been hunting like, you know, my whole life, like my family hunted, it's just part of like who we are. And, uh, my wife's family is like, my father-in-law is like Grizzly Adams. Like, so when I walked in there the first day, like and met him, he walked down and he was this real big burly guy. And he's in this Ace Ventura room of death. You know, there's just heads everywhere and turkeys and fish on the wall and stuff. And we got to talking about hunting and, you know, it's just been from there on. And, um, so we always had conversations about hunting and, you know, we always hunted. It's, it's, it's our life. And, you know, 2017, we started having these like long drawn out conversations, you know, two, three hour conversations about hunting things. And we were listening to podcasts at the time. That's kind of like when we got into it and we didn't feel like represented. And I joke around because I try and make the listener feel, you know, inviting, you know, I, I want them to feel comfortable. And so I'm not a very good bow hunter. So I just say that I'm the world's worst bow hunter. And there at the time there was nobody had that podcast saying like, Hey, we're not killing anything, but we're having fun. Um, and you know, so that's kind of like where we got in was from the regular guy perspective. Um, and that's one thing that we can do well is, you know, poke fun at ourselves, um, try and learn, try and learn with the listener, um, and just try to get better. And that's, that's all we do. Yeah, I think I really liked what you said on episode one or episode zero, I think episode one. Um, it was kind of like a story about like how you were, you know, going out hunting. I don't know all the details, but basically, you know, you went off to do your own thing and, you know, you had seen these bucks, right? And they're telling, and then you kind of like come back to camp and they're like, I would have shot that book or I would have did this and I would have did that. And you kind of didn't feel, as you said right now, is like maybe you didn't feel like represented or you just didn't feel like people were on the same page about um, that you had a different opinion on the sport, uh, I th maybe than other people. So I think, um, was that an influence uh, for you as well of kind of just maybe taking a different approach than a lot of other people that you were around in this kind of in this scene? Uh, I don't know. I think, I think realistically, um, there's like, uh, I said it actually on like the last episode, but you know, it's been told to me that hunting is a jealous man sport and I don't really feel that way. I feel more of the like camaraderie and stuff, but I also, I'm not trying to live up to anybody else's standard, you know, in it. I don't think that anybody else should like whether it's in podcasting or, you know, pharmacy or, you know, music or, or whatever, like there isn't like a measuring stick. It's kind of like gotta be like what, you know, it's gotta be your own journey. And so when people try and tell you like, you can't do this or you should have done that, it's like, mm, maybe you don't need to surround yourself with those kind of people. Yeah. I'm with you, man. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. So maybe instead, um, it was more of just, yeah, like, let's have fun. And even if we don't kill something, like we could still have fun rather than like, Hey, I have this, you know, the biggest, you know, buck or the biggest, this or the biggest that, um, I, cause I think that's a lot of what it is. And you guys talk on the show a lot about social media and like kind of how that's changed hunting and things like that. And I want to get into that too. But I think, um, you know, as you mentioned, it's, it's kind of the same with anything. It's like, there's always people who just have their own standards for measuring success. And, 
I, I don't know what that looks like in hunting at all. Maybe I should ask you that. Um, but like, I don't know what it is in music. It might be, you know, uh, fame or money or, you know, being successful or getting a Grammy or something like that. But like, um, how do you look at, you know, success when it comes to, you know, hunting? So for me, um, I feel like it's me against the animal, but it's also like me against myself. So, um, it's funny because we, we do a podcast and we talk to all of these experts or these guys that are consistently successful. Um, and we do a lot of public land hunting. Um, so it's not like they've got this farm that, you know, these deer are on and they come out there every night, you know, we're out there battling against all the other guys that show up in the parking lot in the morning and you're trying to figure out who's going where and all these things. Um, so like personally, like success to me is, figuring out something ahead of time, implementing that plan, and then having it come together. That means that I did actually learn something that was more, um, more than just luck. So continued success and like putting all of the pieces together to have it come together the way that you thought it would. Um, so it's essentially like outsmarting the animal to some degree. And a lot of the time, you know, some of the cooler things like while you're hunting where everybody thinks that we're just bloodthirsty, you know, murderers is letting deer go or seeing other wildlife while you're sitting there completely undetected and they just walk on by because at that point you've been successful too, because you've won. Um, and you know, if you've listened to enough of the podcast, like, you know, that there's so many things that can go wrong, even when you do everything right, that, you know, that being successful or getting your, your kill or your harvest or whatever, however politically correct term you want to call it, um, you know, that's important too, because you can get all the way to the end and you can hit a branch or you can make a bad shot or you can misjudge the distance or, you know, you can draw back and they can hear you or something like that. There's so many things that can go wrong. Um, you know, that kind of all puts it into perspective, but for me, success is like that last step of, having a plan and implementing it and, you know, completing everything. I like that answer. And I th like that you mentioned learning something. And I think that that's a hundred percent what you're doing on your podcast, but is that, why did you choose to go the route? Like for me, it seems natural. Like you're going to interview all the people that do this the best in every certain area. Um, you know, whether that's the, you know, bow fishing or, um, you know, hunters in general or people who are, you know, uh, co cooking them in a certain way. For me, like I like to interview experts. I like to interview, you know, all these different people so I can learn. But what was the impetus? Like what made you want to create a podcast that wasn't just you guys talking about hunting, but it was actually involving at this point, hundreds of people. Well, I mean, I think on some level we're not experts and we don't pretend to be. And I think there's so many people out there that say, Oh, I've got a platform. Listen to me. I'm, I'm this. And, and that's not who we are. I mean, we're just a bunch of idiots. Like, and we fully embrace that. Like I say, I'm the world's worst bow hunter because I want people to say, well, I'm better than him or, Hey, he's got a podcast and he, you know, he's messing up and he's doing all of these things. Um, but then when I talk to, experts, quote unquote experts or guys that are successful all the time. Um, 
I know the questions to ask because I know the mistakes that I've made. And I don't want to put myself on that same level. I brought that guy on there to ask the question for the listener because the podcast isn't for me. I mean, I have access to all these guys. Now I've got all their phone numbers. I talk to a lot of them on a regular basis. So if I wanted the answer, I could just ask them. But the general listener can't do that. So I'm just a conduit for the people who listen to the podcast. I want to answer the questions that they have for situations that they may find themselves in. Mm, yeah, and really just um, you know, putting in your yeah, you're in a position to channel it and have the connection and then yeah, basically uh start from a, a beginner in like each scenario. Like that's what I, you know, try to do with everybody. Anything that I'm trying to learn of that's the hardest thing to do. Um the easiest thing you could do is, you know, kind of have the confidence that you know what you're doing. <laughs> and then but if you could put yourself in those beginner shoes again, um and then just fully open yourself up to learn, I think that's the best way to do it. Um and so, you know, from here I'd like to ask like your opinion on kind of the state like the your opinion on the opinion of hunting in general because that there's a lot of different people that listen uh to the show i'm talking different meaning just from different backgrounds and different places and i you know maybe somebody from the city is not going to understand they're not going to have first of all they're not going to have the maybe the uh, kind of awareness that I have being in like a rural place, but then I'm in Jer New Jersey still though at the end of the day, right? So that's not as rural as probably where you are in I think Michigan, right? You're in Michigan or... Yeah, so do you think that it gets a bad rap or like ge like overall generally or is it just kind of like location based or like where people grow up? I'm trying to, I'm just trying to understand like I think people do have a weird... I think they have a thing about killing things because they don't understand the process and they they kind of anti-killing things when in reality they just they but they wouldn't know what it's like to do it in general so i don't know i just like breaking down kind of that you know the story that people tell yeah i mean you're never i i can't give you an answer that's gonna sway everybody's opinion i'm not trying uh, to change <laughs> people's opinion yeah i definitely just want to know but uh, your opinion yeah so for me uh, from that perspective is hunting is like substance, right? So the, the deer on the wall, there isn't the, like, that isn't why we're out there. Um, and that is simply, I guess, like a measuring stick. Um, the real, trophy at the end of the day is like we're getting meat so we're getting organic meat so for the people that are in the city that pay x amount of dollars for organically grass-fed grown all these these things that's what we're doing and we're doing it in an extremely humane way and so the fact that it's called a sport is you know somewhat disingenuous right but there are on either side you you can have radical vegans and you can have the worst redneck hunter ever um that's just a terrible representation of either i would say that you know 90 percent of the hunters that listen to our show or i guess like what we represent do it in the most pure fashion because we really do i mean we know more about deer than the anti-hunters i mean all the money that we pay goes towards conservation and you know we're we're trying to 
you know, give these animals essentially a better life or a better chance or all these things. And, you know, a lot of the licenses and quotas and all that stuff is lobbied by insurance companies for car deer accidents and other things like that. So, I mean, here's a, a perfect example of one of the benefits of hunting versus like, ridiculous anti-hunter thing so we're in michigan uh university of michigan is in ann arbor a very um stereotypically liberal city so it's not party lines and i don't want to get political but everybody says oh redneck you know republican hunter guys right well in ann arbor they paid i don't know how many millions of dollars to capture and sterilize deer so that they didn't kill them. So they snatched up these deer after drugging them, sterilized them surgically, and then released them back into the city to be hit by cars or die of old age or be killed by coyotes or or whatever else. So, I mean, hunting the deer... uh, does that without spending all that money and actually generates money you know the meat is being used and you know i've got friends that are out in the dc area where they have like 400 deer per square mile these guys hunt all year round and they've killed you know innumerous amounts of deer but their deer are donated to hunters for the hungry and then that that gets cooked up in homeless shelters and donated to families in need and other things like that um so Uh, it's hard for me to speak on, you know, what anti-hunters think or believe that that hunting is, because like I said, it's, it's been around my whole life and it isn't, we don't shoot deer just to shoot them. We shoot them because, you know, we are going to cook the backstraps. We're going to make asabuco. We're going to, I mean, we're eating the ribs. I make venison pastrami. I mean, we're, we're doing all of these you know, when I shoot a deer, that's what I'm most excited about. It's, you know, we might shoot a big buck, but at the, at the end of the day, you know, the bigger the deer, the bigger the back straps, the bigger, I mean, that's essentially flame and yawn. So that's more meat for us to eat. And I want to give a shout out to the hunt of war <laughs> episode as well, man, because that episode is very great. Very interesting. Um, because I had no idea the different things that you can make with with i mean all of these different animals um you know maybe turkey being one of them but um and I, I i'm glad you mentioned conservation because one thing um you know i told you before uh we started is you know i had listened to ranella i've listened to you know joe rogan for so long and kind of like watched him kind of come into the hunting world and then you know have ranella on multiple times steven ranella who i'm talking about for folks who don't know um you know cam haynes being another one john dudley being another one of um you know kind of that same category of guests that joe's had on and i had no idea really how the conservation worked i, I mean i guess i kind of never just i just never thought about it like it made sense once i understood it um but i never thought about it and my you know my story is my dad moved lived in a suburban area he moved out here to a more rural area and when he moved here he um wanted to hunt he wanted to you know try it and he basically just you know bought a bow um from a went to a local you know hunting place bought a blow bought a bow and uh he had no idea what he was doing. I think he, they like took him through, you know, some kind of training with the videos and stuff. And then they taught him how to shoot it. And he got 
you know, he got one deer and then that was it. Like he had no idea how to do it. He had no idea how to, you know, uh, as you guys have said it on the show too. And some people, you know, you, you don't understand how, you know, good you can get with, you know, just simply cutting it up. I mean, there's so much to the process. It's not, people just think maybe it's just like shooting the deer. It's not even close to just that. Um, it's actually like 99%. That's 1% of the equation, I would say. Um, but I, that was my experience. Like he still has the bow. He's never used it since then. Um, but, th- but I, that's it. Like, that's all I was exposed to. And then my friends hunted for, you know, a lot of my, um, most of my life, but I never got into it. So that was it. So how was I supposed to know that hunters, fishermen, like I had fished a lot though. So I kind of was, you know, I kind of understood that, um, always fished my whole life, but, um, never got into hunting, but I never really understood the converse conservation aspect of it um just having just a little bit of exposure um and then but just hearing understanding that hunting is conserve is conservation fishing is conservation it's it's not it's not unlimited i i don't know i just think that there's some weird there's just it's in it's miseducation it's uneducation it's just people thinking that a hunter goes out, they see a bunch of deer, and they just take them down or something like that. And um, and I know a lot of the podcasts that you're you you know that you do and like the people that you're around, um, you know, are probably understand a lot more than maybe my general audience does. But I do really, um, you know, I want people to understand this, man, because I've I like to have different sides of of the equation on. But um, you know, kind of I say that to say I didn't. Even being exposed to it, the level that I was, I still didn't understand what hunting does or is or tags and the amount of money that you have to pay and where the, that money goes. And then you get into insurance. I mean, that's <laughs> another thing. We keep, oh, yeah. I, I worked at a body shop for five years, so I totally understand that side of it. So, But yeah, it's a yeah, whole world yeah. that people don't know. The, you know. the conservation side is is a whole other ball game, and it's not just deer or you know, it's, it's everything. It's elk hunting, bear hunting, all these things. And, you know, you mentioned Renella, he says, you know, people, especially in Jersey, you know, they don't want you to shoot the bears because he says charismatic megafauna, right? So you think of Yogi Bear, you think all these bears are so sweet. You don't realize that they eat their young and, you know, all these, these terrible things that, that happen when there's overpopulation of bears um, and they're running around, you know, in Jersey. So, um, it, it isn't out there just to eradicate populations. They do more for growing the populations and bringing animals back from the brink of being endangered, um, even almost to a fault, like they're doing with wolves and and things like that. I mean, you want to talk about a hot ticket item, whether it's Michigan or Idaho or everywhere out West. I mean, but that's what conservation does. Our deer hunting dollars are going to repopulating wolves, which hurt the deer herd ultimately. But that's part of, you know, what that those dollars go towards. Yeah, that's the bear thing. People have opinions on that, man. And 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 where I'm at in Jersey, I'll tell you this, like it's not uh this where where I'm at is not where people what people think of New Jersey. Like I'm in the border PA, like I'm on the west, west northwestern side. Um and I have bears, man. Like I have bears in my yard. Like they eat my garbage. Like it's real. And so people even that wouldn't experience that, that's a you know, I'm at another level, right? And um totally understand. And there's way less bears 
than there are, you know, deer, right? But there's still, there's a certain amount of, you know, so I guess that's how it works, right? Like they calculate how many there are and then they do a calculation on how many you can kill to keep the population um, kind of, you know, I guess um, at a, you know, healthy rate, right? I don't know exactly like you said it's probably a whole nother world but uh yeah i mean we have enough we have so many um so many deer i would say i don't know how many there are i think there's like a million or five hundred thousand to a million i'd say i think in new jersey or something like that they're everywhere they're literally everywhere you can't escape them especially in north jersey i just had a webinar the other night with uh, a guy that's in jersey and he was talking like you guys have a earn a buck program. So you have to shoot a doe first and then you can shoot six bucks throughout the season where Michigan is two. And we really wish it was only one. Um, so it's, it's just wild. Um, but that's all your, you know, you have a lot of people, so you have a lot of population, so you don't have a lot of wide open space. So you can, your ecosystem can only support so many deer and that's how they make those rules is the conservation. There's not enough food for deer, like for the amount of deer there are. Yeah, that's like I am not even close to an expert in understanding any of that, but I know that for a fact that there definitely are too many deer uh, to support. Yeah, 100%. So, um, yeah, I've, I forgot that was an earn a buck. I forgot that was that you had to do that. Um, definitely, my friends definitely mentioned that when they were kind of coming up in this uh um, you know, when they started hunting, but yeah, that's so crazy because I think people don't realize it's all about population. So it's not like, you know, they would think you could kill more deer in Michigan. It's bigger there. It's not how it is. It's not how it works. Not at all. It's different. Nope. Not at all. It's population. <laughs> so if somebody wanted to, and like you mentioned this on the show too, of like people who are, uh, who've gotten into it in their adulthood and then other people who have been, you know, say hunting and fishing their whole life. Uh, if somebody wants wanted to get into it, but they don't even know anybody who does it, what is the best way? Is there or is there a certain way that you would recommend uh, kind of getting into it? Would you watch videos, listen to podcasts um, first before buying a bow or something? Like, is there a certain way to kind of get started? Or um, so, uh, if you're talking about bow hunting, um, yeah. Well, even just hunting in general, um, I would find a local archery club. So there you're going to be able to find a mentor or somebody And like, so we, my wife's family has been involved with our local archery club since it started like back in the sixties. But, you know, every morning there's this coffee club of 80 year old men that sit around and drink coffee and avoid their wives and talk about the good old days. But those guys are the guys that have killed, you know, tons and tons of deer. They've seen the evolution of the equipment. Now, if you end up going to a local shop, I wouldn't recommend going to a Bass Pro or Cabela's or Shields or something like that, because you might find someone who's really trying to help you, but more than likely you're going to find somebody that wants to sell you stuff. Um, and they can sell you all the stuff that they have in stock that they can't get rid of. They can sell you stuff that might be good for them, but not good for you as a beginner. Um, so you really need to find somebody who can 
like kind of work with you or I guess has been in your shoes that doesn't have really anything to gain. So you need to find someone that's like passionate about hunting or, you know, helping versus someone that can make a buck off you, I guess. Yeah. You don't want people trying to just sell you stuff. Yeah. That's not going to, yeah. You need people that are actually genuinely going to be there to help you. Um, for you, like, was there a certain person? Was it your parents? Was it an uncle? Was it somebody in your life? Um, like who kind of got you into it? I mean, so my, like I said, we grew up hunting. I got a, I got a bow in my Easter basket when I was five years old. Um, I mean, my grandpa's been hunting all over the world, um, Africa, Saskatchewan, Newfoundland, you know, uh, lots of out West hunts. My dad always hunted. My dad wasn't much of a bow hunter. And, uh, so when I met my wife and her, her father, uh, basic, and that's on the show, uncle Frank, that's my father-in-law. Um, so he used to work at the archery shop, um, that we have here in town. And he went from, you know, the switch. I mean, he met Fred bear. He, he went from the, the recurves to the old, you know, original compound bows to what we have today. And for my dad, he just bow hunted as a, a gap between rifle hunting and, you know, it wasn't really his thing where my father-in-law, he, ne- I mean, he rifle hunted, but he was really passionate about bow hunting because it was a long, um, longer season. Right. And so I, I probably for me, um, I was also like in the Marine reserve. So I was in the Marines and, you know, shoot 550 meters with a rifle. Um, you feel like you can shoot anything with a rifle. I mean, put it in front of me, I'll kill it. So, with a bow now, like I said, everything can go wrong. So now it's a challenge. And so it just became like more of a challenge, but I think that hunting with my father-in-law probably pushed me more to hunt the way that I hunt now than before. And when you say the way that you hunt now, does that mean bow hunting or is that like a certain kind of like style of hunting style of hunting a hundred percent? Um, my family has 240 acres in Michigan's Upper Peninsula. It's Cedar Swamp, but it was always, this is your tree. You go hunt there. If the deer walk by, awesome. If they don't, well, it wasn't your day. Um, so it wasn't, I didn't really, it wasn't a hunter. I was a hoper. I hope something happens. I, you know, the wind didn't matter. I, we were still going to that tree. You know, if we hunted there 10 days in a row, then you know, must've been, there's no deer in the area. It doesn't really matter. Um, so hunting with my father-in-law is like learning, you know, maybe you heard us talk about it. Maybe, you know, Renella, all that is learning woodsmanship. So deer eat this, you know, this is what deer tracks look like. These are scrapes. This is rubs. This is why they're going there. This is why this is happening. This is why this is happening. And then you look at the weather, you look at the wind, you look at all that sign that you looked at when you were scouting and you say, okay, I have a pretty good idea that the deer are over here. Like they sleep here and they eat here and the wind is going this way. So at night when they're sleeping over here, the wind's going to be blowing in there. So if I want to hunt here, that's probably a bad idea. But if the wind's blowing this way and they're eating over here, so in the morning, 
because deer are nocturnal. If I get in the middle here, the wind's going to be blowing this way. The deer won't smell me. They're going to come back to bed and then I'll probably see some deer, you know, basically the easiest way to explain it, but learning, you know, so that's what I was talking about. Like what success is, is by taking all of that information and saying, okay, this is what I think. Oh, look at that. It happened. Like, so that's a success, you know? Yeah. So there, that's, yeah, you're not just sitting in a tree stand, like waiting in the same spot that you were the last four years. Exactly. (laughs) So are you like camping too, or is it just kind of like a day, like go out for the day and then go back or like, no, I mean, nah, we're, we're not, we haven't gone that far. I mean, when we go elk hunting, that's different. So, you know, backpack in, set up a tent, pack up your tent, go try and find the elk. Same, same principle um but you just have to cover more ground and you got to get into where the elk are so it's a little bit different but as far as like bow hunting when we go out of state we'll just rent a cabin and then go back and forth but i mean i I would say that the difference is you know some people certainly do the camping thing uh for whitetails but i think the difference is is that um in the east or midwest over to where you're at you don't necessarily have those large tracts of land that you have out West where you can go five miles and not hit a road or hit, you know, something. I mean, yeah, up in Maine and, uh, you know, that, that sort of terrain, they, they have that, but, um, typical Midwest whitetail habitat doesn't really necessitate camping. Mm, Yeah. So you can just go out there. Yeah. And so you're just, you have to like scope out the whole, area right like i was watching one of the videos um what was it the 20 february 2020 video um and you got yeah like i i don't <laughs> i don't even know i don't yeah with dan infall yeah so is he like who is he like what this guy is like he's like the mastermind <laughs> so what like can you explain kind of this i'm gonna link the video below so people couldn't but i just feel like people should watch it to really understand yeah so i mean his he ran a forum and still does called the hunting beast um they call him or he has earned the moniker of the big buck serial killer um he has a specific way that he hunts um and it's that same thing where he hunts public land in wisconsin against everybody else and he's killed numerous big deer with um, you know, he didn't pay for him. He's hunting him out on public land. He's battling it out with everybody else and he's doing it by, uh, essentially living the deer's life and figuring out these deer. So, um, and he's fairly open, um, about when he was younger, it was an addiction, an obsession. He, you know, m- missed birthday parties halloween you know he flat out told his wife he was going here and he'd be in the woods hunting and he missed a lot of stuff um in his family's life and he you know so he's he's completely open about that as maybe like a cautionary tale to young guys but he says that if he wouldn't have done that he wouldn't be the guy that he is today but Regardless, he hunts, like I was saying, deer sleep here and they feed here. Um, He's finding mature bucks, so little racked deer 
or small deer are generally like a year and a half old. And so like the buck behind me, so like hundred inches of antler. So eight point, 10 point, whatever, um, you know, not out past their ears, not these monster bucks that you'd think of are like a three-year-old deer. So he's targeting and killing like four to six-year-old deer. So these are smart, old animals that have seen it all. You know, they've lived longer than most deer live. Um, and he's figuring out how they've lived so long and then going in and targeting them. And now um, he's got a series of DVDs and all sorts of other stuff. But now, you know, he's got everything on YouTube and he's maybe moved. He's still hunting and, you know, still trying and still doing it. But in talking with him, he's kind of like in a teaching phase of his life where he's trying to help out as many people as he can and get the information out there so that, um, guys can learn. And he, he really does, um, uh, appreciate helping people and in that side. So, um, we've had him on the podcast a couple of times and we drove to Wisconsin and, um, did one of his seminars where he takes you exactly to the place that he hunts. And so that is like, uh, a big no-no in hunting because if you say like hey this is where i kill all the deer well then that's where everybody's going to go um and so he's taking you right there he says you know if you live in the area please don't come because i don't want you to come and hunt my spots uh, but he doesn't turn anybody away either so um yeah i mean he that that's who dan infault is yeah so there's kind of uh like a like there's like hunting philosophies almost oh 100 percent, yeah yeah and that's and that's why it's it's so much fun doing what i do in the in the podcast because a um i get to pick and choose like which philosophies like you want to pit against one another and then i can also say like as new things or hunting evolves or uh regresses into these other um, areas or avenues, I can get somebody on that used to hunt that way, or that is, you know, whether it's, uh, scent control or, you know, rut hunting or like Dan and fault bed hunting or, you know, late season, early season, whatever. Um, you know, you get these, these guys that are doing it very well, um, and get to pick their brains. And then you can ask, how does it apply to me here in Michigan? Or how does it apply to PA? Um, you know, from my webinars and stuff, there's a lot of guys down in Georgia. So how does it, you know, the big pine flats of Georgia, how would you hunt it in, in this sort of scenario? Um, but yeah, there's very much philosophies on it. It isn't slap up a tree stand and hope. I mean, that's, that that is one philosophy on hunting but it's you know those guys usually get lucky they don't they're not consistent when you started this podcast did you expect it to get to where it is now like how far you've gone and sponsors and all this and you know kind of meeting all these people did i know you probably had some kind of you know thought of where it was going to go but is where it at is now is that where you thought it was going to go i didn't really like i think a lot of people start a podcast today and they think oh i'm going to be this and you know on the the forum where you know you and i connected like that's what everybody wants to like start a podcast and they're like how many downloads did you get today um and and that isn't 
the whole point. Like for us, I think it is a very interesting um, sort of perspective because because of the family dynamics. So my co-host is my wife's cousin. You know, my father-in-law's on there quite a bit. My father-in-law's got tons and tons of stories of good things and bad things and just funny stuff. Um, and if nothing else, now we have, um, you know, this historical piece of where we were at at the time. And then, you know, obviously at some point we're all going to die. So my father-in-law will have all of this sort of stuff captured where we can go back and, and, and revisit it. Um, where we've come and how it's, uh, working out is more, uh, I think a testament to kind of being true to ourselves than say, because I don't know, I think at the beginning I thought, maybe, Oh, you know, I'll get into the hunting industry or this, that, the other thing. Well, the problem is, is that, uh, I'm a pharmacist and replacing an income like that on a podcasting, uh, salary, if you want to call it like what we make off the podcast, a salary, um, it just isn't realistic. So, um, it's, it's trying to, I guess now justify some of the things that we do. So uh, it, it allows us a lot more things and the, the networking and the people that we've met, um, it just kind of all comes back to uh, being yourself and being like self-deprecating, I guess, like not trying to be some sort of hero or something that you're not. Um, but I, I, I guess to, to back to the actual question, like did I ever, expect this or whatever. Like, I don't even know what this is at this point. You know, we just keep having fun and doing what we're doing. And we have a, a, some really great people that listen and, you know, that we've created relationships with as listeners. Um, and then some of the guests that we've had on, you know, I consider friends and I wouldn't have had that, you know, without the podcast. So I'm very grateful to, to what we've, what we have, but as far as like, what was that? What were my goals for it? I still don't have goals for the podcast. You know, it's just, it's just a very, um, kind of organic thing. Yeah. I always use this example. Like if I met you on the street, I wouldn't have this conversation with you. Like this hour long, whatever conversation about everything that you do. Like it just, even if we hung out, even if we met at a bar, even if we knew each other through a mutual friend, like it, it wouldn't go down like this. Like it's so the podcast is just a thing where um, you can have a kind of, you know, custom conversation being in the fact that like, you know, it's a pod, you're in a pod. Like it is just the people who are in it are in it. But at the same time, it's also like off the bat, it's organic. I mean, you can't hide on these things. Like you have to be Adam Miller. Like you have to be you and I have to be me. Mm-hmm. So it's, th- yep. there's nothing you can do. Like you can't do this. It's not this hyper edited, you know, thing. And uh, I love that you mentioned that group too, because I feel like, yeah, people are so, they just think that it has to be a certain way. Like they think like they would, you know, they could look at your show and be like, oh no, like this too long. The episodes are too long, you know, or there's too many, uh, there's a pause, you know, right here. Like it's just all these stupid little things, man. It just, it kills me. Um, and, and and not that they shouldn't be thinking that. It's more just, what about the podcast? You know, what about the content? Right. Yeah. And then that's, you know, we talked about this and, you know, I'll, I'll say it here for anybody that's like wants to start a podcast or that's considering it. Um, 
my thoughts were starting the podcast is that I listened to enough podcasts that had great information, but sounded like they were recorded in a bathtub or like not even the shower curtain closed. Like, like you're banging on the tub and you're getting that echo and the information could have been incredible, but I wasn't going to listen to it. I couldn't, I couldn't stand it. So I listened to other guys that were idiots like that were like, I knew more than them a hundred percent and their production was incredible and it wasn't distracting or anything like that. So I'd let it and I'd, I'd take away those one or two nuggets from their show that I really liked. And when a new podcast got uh, uploaded, I listened more and then I developed a relationship with those hosts. And that was what I strived for was I didn't really care about the content and you know, people that were in the know of podcasting said, well, you have to have good content. Well, I'm not an expert at anything, so I don't know anything that's going to just, I don't even, at that point, I wasn't even good at answering questions or asking questions. So I needed to make sure that I had good enough audio that it wasn't distracting, that people could actually sit and listen and follow along. And whether they were disagreeing with me at the top of their lungs in their car or mowing the lawn, or they were shaking their head. Yes, yes, that's exactly the way that we feel too. I wanted them to get to know us as hosts and as, as you know, to give us a shot. And I think if you don't have like good audio, like it doesn't have to be great, but it has to not be awful. Um, that is n- the number one thing that I would say. Um and so that from the start is what we strive to do. And we, I still try and do that to this, you know, the episode I put out yesterday. So, and I'll say this, even on your first episode, the audio, like it was solid. Like it wasn't what it is today, as you know, cause I know you've done work, but it was better than 99% of first episodes I've ever heard. And so I knew that from the beginning and, but I'm like, he's not an audio guy. I don't think. Like you didn't seem to me like an audio person or an audio engineer, or a musician, or I didn't, I don't know if you were or not, but um, I'm really glad that you had that in mind because most people, I there's no only, like even people that I work with, um, I launch podcasts for people. And so, yes, there's a lot of people who are in the, I just want to look cool. Like I just want to look like somebody who has a podcast where even though I don't really talk about anything or help anybody. Um, and then there's people who have so much value, but they have a problem spending $300 on a mic or something like that, you know, even $150, you know, and it's just you, it's not, you don't even owe it to yourself. You don't even owe it to the podcast. You just owe it to the listener. Like if this is, what is this for? Like, is it for you? If it's for you, get on and talk with your, you know, laptop webcam and your laptop mic and just put it on Facebook and that's it, you know, but, um, yeah, that's it. it uh, I'm so I'm just I'm just so glad you said that because I'm such an audio person, and it's something that I have spent years trying to fix. Like I have fixed 
Zoom audio for so many people. Uh, and Zoom, I mean, it doesn't matter what it is, right? It could be, you know, recorded on a phone or something like that too. But um, it's really important to me. So even as for you as a non-audio person to hear that, like it just, it makes me happy. <laughs> um, and then you get into the video. That's a whole separate thing. That's been a whole nother animal for us to try to, which is how literally how we connected in the first place. Um, and I think that's another side to podcasting. I will say that I, it's not my expertise. Audio is, but nor am I, I'm not an audio expert. I wouldn't claim to be, I do, I know what I can do and what I can't do. Um, but video seems to be its own thing. Um, but yeah, so you, but you guys are starting to, as you, like we were talking about before the podcast, you're going to start kind of getting into the video stuff too, right? Yeah. I've, I mean, so one of the weird things about, um, hunting and hunting in this space and doing like whatever is they want, you know, the, the listener wants you to video your hunts. You know, everybody wants to watch hunting videos and all of that stuff and see people that they know. Um, so we've been, uh, videoing our hunts for the last couple of years. And, um, I've got two, well, we got two or three different kills on camera, um, turkeys and, um, deer, but, uh, the video portion, because like what we're doing right now, being able to see, um, body language and be able to see like when we're, you know, laughing and making fun of each other and pointing and all this, these other things. Um, but also, and I don't know, um, if your podcasts go up on YouTube or whatever, whether they're all video or, or whatever, but, um, this is something that I think is, is missed is, there isn't a really good search engine for podcasts. So, um, we have like when I started this, I just, I have a website that everything goes on there. So that definitely helps. And then all of our audio episodes go up as well on YouTube, but YouTube is the number two search engine in the world owned by the number one search engine in the world. So the more, content that you have out there plugged into these search engines allows you to be found. Um, and so, you know, uh, hunting is this incredible searched term and people want information and they want stuff. So that definitely helps us. But then at the same time, when you, at least us in the hunting world, um, and I'd imagine most, people, um, whatever their niche is going to be as they go into podcasting. Um, but the hunting world sees everything as video. So they don't really care about how many downloads that you have on your podcast because there isn't even a good number to look at that says, you know, Joe Rogan gets X amount of millions and you only get X amount of thousands. So, you know, how is that, you know, relevant? And then each of these hunting companies or the smart ones are just creating their own podcast and they're doing, some are doing good and others are doing a very poor job of it. But they're saying like, why should I sponsor your podcast when I'll just create my own? Um, and so, and that's for companies that understand what that is, you know, what, what podcasting is and how it is um, a community that you're, you're building, you know, they want to see, what's your YouTube numbers, you know? So, um, that's why I think video is just as powerful. And I don't know if you listened 
um, and you know, depending on how, um, I almost don't want to say this because there isn't a whole lot of podcasts that are doing it in my realm. Um, but a few podcasts ago, we had a hunting channel. Uh, some of our friends uh, are videoing their hunts and they have it on there. And their YouTube is like 12, 1400 subscribers. So not anything where we would say, oh, they're a measuring stick by any means. Um, and they're on a little known, at least it wasn't known to me, except for they're on it, a uh, streaming service. So like on Amazon or Roku or whatever. Well, that Roku channel happens to be in 2 million devices. So their little 1200 subscriber YouTube is on their monthly downloads on the streaming service or monthly views or impressions or whatever was 290,000. So for me, that says, okay, I need to start videoing my podcast. So even if I have to pay $200 to get on that app and I was even to get 10% of what they got, that's 25,000 people that maybe didn't see you know, didn't know who we were before. Um, and then as I'm talking to potential sponsors or whatever, now I can say, well, I've got a web show also. Um, so it's just another way, um, to kind of build awareness for the podcast itself. Well, now I got to go listen to that one, man, because I'm very intrigued on that. I like to be up in my podcast (laughs) game, man. I'd like to know what's happening. And, and I'm not, did you see what, what, what Apple just did with their subscriptions? Yeah. I'm, I'm not, um, I don't like to be an early adopter and we've got a pretty good, I mean, it, it isn't huge by any means, but we're like 80 some 90 some, depending on the day or whatever, uh, Patreons, so I don't, I, I hate to like swap them over or be like, oh, you have to pay for this or, you know, this is additional. And I'm really bad at making like custom content or like whatever. So it's like, um, to try to create something. <laughs> I haven't done it because I don't even know what to do. So <laughs> I don't even know how I would even go about making the paid content. So you see, mm-hmm. you at least have the Patreon. So that's one thing. Yeah, Apple's just an alternative. It's definitely not better. Um, I, I think it's just they were... Apple just messed up with Apple Podcasts, man. I will just say that. They've just done a lot of things. They've done some things right. They've they've missed out on so many opportunities. Like, it's crazy. Oh, um, sorry to cut you off. I just had to say, even the fact that you have paid content is... I think that's a, you know, that's a testament, though, to the type of content you're making. So... Um you had mentioned Ranella, right? So Ranella actually, his mom lives right around the corner from me. Um, and so one of his first bosses is um, Ron Bame. So I don't know if um, you've watched any of the meat eater episodes where they do like the blue quail hunting or whatever. Um, and on one of the last podcasts, maybe in the last month, uh, Ron was on there. He's been on there a bunch of times. He runs the hunting dog podcast and, um, it's, it isn't under the meat eater umbrella. Um, but it, uh, it's in the top 50 wilderness podcasts, um, on chartable. Like it's, 
um, he's, he's really up there. But right after I started the podcast, I was introduced to him at a hunting banquet and he actually just lives right down the road as well. And, um, so I talked to him and he was showing me all the ins and outs of Patreon and what he does and how he does it. And, um, so we just started it up and for a while there was nobody on there. It was like my mom and like, you know, two or three other guys. Um, and then as we, it was, it's just the weirdest thing. It's kind of like, a, um, you know, what do they say? Like perfect is the enemy of good. And, you know, you, you know, you just need to produce content and then get better and learn. Um, the same thing with Patreon is like, you just need to start. So after that, I was like, all right, we're going to try something. I'm just going to start talking about it. So we're just talking about Patreon. Like, this is what our Patreon is. This is what it does, blah, blah, blah. And then boom, people started signing up. I was like, holy crap. And then we had like, um, I don't know how many we had, you know, 40, 50, something like that. And, uh, I created, I only had one tier, so I created another tier and I actually didn't have an episode for this week, like, I don't know, January or something this year. And so I was like, whatever, I'm just going to do a solo episode. Like I put out some questions like in my Patreon group and said, Hey, what do you guys, you know, what questions do you have? Or like what, you know, and I just did like a 45 minute monologue with no editing, no anything. I just sat in my basement with a a glass of scotch, went through my phone, answered the questions, talked about Patreon, talked about like, these were questions from Patreons. Like we just added some new tiers and then it was just like, and then half of my Patreons went up to the next tier. And it was just like the most ridiculous thing. Um, so for anybody that has a podcast or, um, you know, it, it seems like, you know, really difficult or who would want to support me or whatever. But like, um, you know, if you have even, I would say like 10 downloads every single episode, then there's somebody out there that probably, um, will support you. And it all depends on like the way that you, um, word it. So if, if you have a $5 tier on Patreon, that's 17 cents a day, right? So however you want to word that if you could spare 17 cents a day, or if you waste 17 cents a day, or it's one cup of coffee one day, but you know, you're trying to buy an A10 mini. And so we've got five Patreons. That's 25 bucks at this rate. It's going to take me six months to do it, but your 17 cents a day helps me get that, which will up my video when guys are in the studio. And that's going to help me give you better content and whatever. And so like, again, I do like lots of different things for, uh, Patreons. Like I have a Marco Polo group, like, so where we talk, you know, but I've connected the Patreons together. So now I've built a community for these guys to talk, ask hunting questions, ask gear questions. Um, and you know, and they're all the way from Washington to Delaware. So we are covering the whole, you know, breadth of the lower 48 with, these people that are just in this group that are at various levels of hunting and, and whatever, um, I have shirts and hats and all that stuff made up, but each one of my patrons, I send like a handwritten note with some stickers and some can koozies say, thanks for the show, you know, for, for supporting the show. And 
they it's part of it's their show now so i tell them that like right in the handwritten thing like any content that you want anything that you want um you know guests anything that you're interested in any way that we can help you let me know and it doesn't really it might take a little bit of time but i've already paid for these stickers and these koozies and what's a better way to market than to you know have someone that is vested in you in the realm that you want to go out and talk about you know how they just got this handwritten letter from this guy in this podcast i mean it 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 is really just you know building a community around people that are already listening and they've i guess i guess to my other friends that have podcasts and they struggle with Patreon or like whatever, like I, I, people send us free gear to review or whatever. So I have it. I can't use all of it. And like saddles are one big thing. You probably heard that, but it's like this tree seat thing. You can't buy them in stores. Everything is direct to consumer. Everybody's got questions. So I just send them out to the patrons and I say, send it back to me, you know, after you've done looking at it. And my friends will say they have podcasts like, what if you don't ever get it back? Well, A, I didn't pay for it. And B, this person is already chosen for no other reason than me asking to send me money every month. So they're already investing in me. And what better way to keep them as a fan or a Patreon or, you know, to to be my marketing team than to do my best to help them out, you know? So that, I mean, it's just getting creative in what you already have at your disposal. I think that was probably the best description of Patreon and like a usable form, like an actual practical form that I've heard. So I really appreciate that. And coming from somebody who's a podcaster and, you know, people are getting, you know, they do it for all different things. But um, I've, I haven't really heard the use case, like the actual what, all right, how are you using it? So I really appreciate you saying that. And I think it's super powerful, especially in the fact that I think the most important part for me is what what it would be, what I would love Um is if I could, you know, be a part of that podcast. Like if I, my, you know, 17 cents a day was actually, hey, like I helped buy that camera, you know, like I love that type of stuff. So yeah, the people who enjoy that of like, hey, that camera wouldn't be there without me or whatever, that A10 mini wouldn't be there without me. That's the type of stuff that I like personally. Um, obviously other people have their own reasons, but um, I, it's something I've been, been debating for a long time, but the excuse of, oh, I don't know what to post on there is so stupid because you don't know what to post as it is. So it's like, it's all testing at the end of the day. So, and I just love that, like um, your honesty and also the fact that, yeah, like you just, it, it, it kind of almost built itself. You just, giving it the time and the energy and it was reciprocated from your audience like no brainer my opinion um like my shirts right so i've got shirts they cost me seven dollars to make i already have them i post pictures of them or whatever you could buy one if you want to but i don't have them like for sale so people will ask me like how much is a shirt and i say well they're twenty dollars shipped they're fifteen dollars uh, for Patreons, but let me just send you one. And people are like, what? And like, yeah, I'll just send you a shirt. Like, it's no big deal. What's your address? 
people don't want anything for free. So they're like, how do I sign up for this Patreon thing? And I sent them a shirt anyways. But it's just about being like creative and playing off of people's. I already know they want a shirt. So I already have a shirt. That $5 or $7 or $10 doesn't make me anything. And so like I tell my friends that, again, they say, I don't have money to do that. Well, it's like I didn't give that shirt away. I sold that shirt for $60 on a $5 a month payment plan. That's what I did. It's sales. It's business. This is business <laughs> basics right here, man. Like this is maybe not basics. This is probably a little bit more advanced, but this is business though. Like you're get. this is where podcasting, like that's what I tell every person I work with is it doesn't even matter if it is a business or not. If you treat it like, like these people are like in a real business, like you're offering value. It's not like you're just creating, like it's just transactional. Like what we do is also transformational. So there's, a little right like there's both sides to it so you got to kind of look at it like that like these are just these are real people like if you give them like you said super great point that you made they don't want something for free if you said that to me i just say where how do i buy it right like if you said i'll send you a shirt i'm just gonna say how do i buy it and then i just try to buy it right so you're right how crazy is that though people we think that people want things for free though everybody thinks they want things for free and then but if you frame it like that then they don't anymore because they know that you're actually giving them something for free that's not free for you. And they feel bad about it. People feel bad about that, justifiably. Um, so I definitely, I have like way more questions for you about like Patreon and stuff like that. Um, but my last like podcast question before we wrap up is you talk about like Patreon now and like, you know, kind of, you know, um, growing the show uh, organically in the way of putting things on YouTube. But when you were starting out, was there any specific thing that you did to grow um, the listeners? I don't know. I mean, I think exactly the things that I would think that you should do anyways. So if someone follows me on Instagram, like I'll, I, I look to see that they're a real person and they're not just a bot or something. Um, but I'll send them a message. So, um, I invite people to, um, contact me any way that I can. Um, I'm on a lot of the hunting forums and things and I never ever lead with, I have a podcast. Um, I simply try to answer their questions and I do it a lot through uh, messenger or something like that because uh, I don't want it to seem like I'm trying to sell anybody anything. And I, I give people like, you know, like just text me or call me or whatever um, so that I can answer these questions for you. Because like at the end of the day, I don't really think that there is a perfect way to grow your audience. You can try to pay, you can try and do this, but you're, you have to, you know, that it's such a terrible way to, uh, it's very cliche. So like you said, like, Oh, we got to add value got to lead with value. You got to do all this stuff. Well, that's all like marketing speak to the point now where everybody's sponsored post says, you know, if you want to grow your podcast, you have to lead with value and you have to do this. Well, in reality, like all you have to do is make a connection with somebody, whether that's one person at a time or whether that's from a group standpoint, um, it's, it's be like 
true to your message, whatever that is. If you have a vegan podcast and you think that all hunters are terrible, well then in your group of vegans, you have to offer them a perspective and make them know that you're a real person coming from a real place, whether you're an expert vegan chef or you're just starting out your vegan journey and you're coming at it from that perspective so that you can reach those people that want to hear what you have to say or you're speaking to a specific group at, at, at whatever point in their life they're at that they're listening to your podcast. And I think also at the end of each uh, for every podcast, whether I have a guest on or it's just us recapping a hunt or an experience or some sort of gear talk, I want to make sure that there was something in there that the person was to take away from it. So you could take any one of my podcasts and I can say in this podcast, what I wanted to take away was X. Even if that's making them feel better about themselves by how terrible we are and not uh, trying to dance around that point and say, like, these guys are trying to be something that they're not. It's trying to say, like, you know, it's okay. Maybe it's just a laugh by having fun. Like, we're just having fun doing what we're doing. Um, and I think that those are the most important things for growing a podcast is creating whether it's through Patreon or a Facebook group or whatever, by creating like uh, a following of people in the same space that you're trying to reach. So you have to know, you have to know your listener and then go find them. Yeah. And just doing the groundwork. I feel like people think they don't have to do work for some reason. They think like you'd start a podcast and then people just listen. Like the amount of people that I've messaged to like same, same here. And I used to be the person in the beginning. I just said, Hey, this is my podcast here. Like, this is what you'll learn from it. Here's the link. You know, X amount of people will click X amount of people will subscribe. X amount of people will become weekly listeners. Like it's just a numbers game. And I always tell people too, like, Hey, if your podcast is so good, why aren't you out there telling people about it? Like if it's really that valuable or it's really this or it's really that, like it's really about the people, man. Like it's about the human connection, you know, what you're saying, like being there to just answer a question. Like it's not, you're not some guy like up in this, you know, pedestal or whatever. It's like, I have a podcast. Um, yeah, man. Like I just like from what I got, what I got from your answer is really just like that human kind of just be a person, like be a real person. And then people, uh, you know, will gravitate towards you and they'll want to watch and listen. And some episodes they're not going to want to listen because they don't care. Like they, some people don't care about certain things, you know, like it's, uh, like I'm not a hunt, a bow hunter or even a hunter in general. I still like your podcast though. Like I still like listening to the episodes. Like I'm still a fan. I'm still subscribed. Like I, there's going to be some of them I don't listen to. And some of them I do. It's just the nature of, of podcasting. Like, and, uh, but yeah, that's, that's it, man. Um, I love that. I love your, I, I love that perspective on it. It's just really like down to earth and kind of just, you know, have fun. And I like that you mentioned having fun too, because I don't do, if I'm not having fun, I'm not doing my podcast. Like, that's just it. Like if I'm not it, uh, scratching my itch of curiosity, it's not, I, I'm not going to do this anymore, you know? So, um, yeah, people just, they have these like weird standards that they, they think it has to be a certain thing or not. Um, when it really yeah are you having a good time are people listening 
are you making a human connection? Like, man, that's, that's really it. And I, uh, so before we wrap it up, I just want to say, I appreciate you doing this, Adam. Uh, I really appreciate you being here. And if you could, um, just give, let people know exactly where they can find, um, you know, your podcast, website, you know, Instagram, et cetera. I'll put it all in the show notes, but. Yeah. I mean, Bowhunter Chronicles podcast, uh, bowhunterchroniclespodcast.com, Facebook, Instagram. Um, we're, if you can find a podcast, we're on that platform. I mean, everywhere. I mean, we host on Libsyn, so you can see where it's at. And, like, <laughs> the countries that pop up that people download is incredible. Um, one of our patrons is in Switzerland. So, like, I don't know how we offer him value, but it, he's in Switzerland. So, yeah, anywhere that you can find a podcast and then YouTube Bowhunter Chronicles podcast and you'll get to see us mess up more than we succeed. And, uh, yeah, make you feel better about yourself. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. Thank you so much, man. And so as as everybody knows, uh, you know, the end spiel is what I always do, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for tuning in today to another episode of Bobcast. We are on all the platforms, just like Adam said, even the ones that nobody uses, we're on there too, just because because um, we have to be. It's a podcast, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. So you know the deal. Sullybop.com, S-U-L-L-Y-B-O-P for your show notes um, and more information about Adam um, in the show notes as well and where to find his podcast. Adam, thanks so much for, for doing this with me today i really appreciate it yeah thank you no problem thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of bobcast i hope you got a ton of value from that episode i know i did if you could i would please encourage you to leave a review on apple podcast now that is the best way uh, to gain new listeners and grow and rank on the platform so new people can listen to the podcast so if you do have a minute um probably less than a minute maybe 30 seconds of your time uh, to leave us a review uh that would be amazing thank you so much and uh, make sure to visit sodabeats.com it's the best way to make beats online right now easiest way uh, you can use them uh, for profit use uh, uh, no royalty fees or anything like that and uh, you get to keep the beat forever and do whatever you want with it it's great so more at sullybop.com video version on youtube you guys know the deal thank you so much i'm ryan sullivan this has been another episode of bobcast i'll see you guys on the next one this beat is by jello beats <laughs> <laughs>